0: Mobile phones, laptops, tablets, and everything in between. This is Sean and Sean, and you're listening to the Silicon Theory Podcast. Greetings, fellow tech seekers, and welcome to another exciting episode of the Silicon Theory Podcast. Tonight, we have a special edition pod where we are going to recap the events of the first day of Apple's Worldwide Developer Conference 2017. With me to go over all of the happenings from Apple today is my partner in crime, as always, Sean P. What's up, everyone? So uh, as I asked Sean when I got here tonight to record the pod, um,
1: I'll ask you this question. Um, Did Apple announce anything exciting today? As it happens, they did announce some things exciting? Question mark? mark? Uh, I'll say this. Compared to Google I.O., which we talked about, I think, last week, uh, this was, like, the most exciting event ever, I would say.
0: How dare you, sir? Yeah,
1: I know, I know. I'm an an Android guy, so it pains me to say that, but I, for
0: one, welcome our Google overlords.
1: I would say this was more interesting cuz you had a mix of software and hardware uh, whereas at Google we just got a bunch of software stuff and I think the Google IO presentation was a little more about under the hood stuff and really focused on developer stuff where the keynote at least for WWDC is a, it was a little more consumer friendly in a lot of ways if you will.
0: I think that Google's conference was very googly and Apple's conference was very apply.
1: Yeah, I would agree with that assessment. I mean you know, Apple. Everything they invent is basically the most amazing thing ever. No one else has ever done it before. It's it's the best, and that kind of cracks me up. Um, but you know, in their defense, a lot of their stuff is very very polished, and uh, yeah, it, you know, let's jump right in because we have a lot to cover. Let's do it. So they kind of let off with uh, the Watch OS update. We're up to Watch OS four now. How exciting! Uh, Not really so much. Um, You know, this had the the typical stuff, some under-the-hood improvements, uh, especially uh, involving, like, music controls. And then it had some new watch faces. It has a watch face that has, like, Siri baked in where you can get information and, and kind of ask it questions, but... Uh, overall, it was uh, you know very quick part of the you know presentation, and they they moved on pretty quickly. There's not a ton going on there
0: because no one cares about. What I
1: was are. gonna say, and we've talked about this before. I was thinking the exact same thing. I would lead off with that too because no one gives a damn. <laughs> I, I, I really I don't know what's dead or wearables or Google Android tablets or Android tablets in general, but uh, the wearables thing I just I, you know I don't think anyone was sitting around clamoring for information on. You know, Apple Watch stuff. I actually have an
0: answer for you. What's deader? Google's unified messaging platform strategy. That's deader.
1: We'll get to that later. Um, Next, moving right along, they moved on to their Mac OS update, which is Hi Sierra. Um, Again, it was a pretty quick part of the presentation. Um, There's some, you know, nice improvements going on, but, you know, nothing too major. So... Then we get to the hardware. This is where it gets a little more interesting. So first we got iMac
0: updates. Yes, actually tell me a lot more about this because I did get a chance to see some of the iMac updates, but I was really more fixated on the iMac Pro. One, because it comes in space gray, and two, because of its eye-popping specs slash price.
1: But I am interested a little bit in the standard iMac. So what did they come out with? They, you know, basically they updated the entire line. So uh, what you have are a few machines 21.5-inch um, uh, non-retinas, and then there's a, a 4K and 5K iMac that go up to like 27 inches. And uh, basically, the, the first thing they really highlighted was the new displays. Um, they get up to 500 nits of brightness, which for a smartphone is not a ton, but for a monitor is actually quite high. 43% brighter, in fact, than their than their old ones. Uh, One billion colors. Um, are there a billion colors? There are. I guess they're technically infinite colors. My
0: kid's got a box of crayons, and there wasn't a billion colors in there, so I'm, I'm skeptical. Color me skeptical. You
1: need a bigger box. Um, it also has a Thunderbolt uh, 3. Um which I don't really know a ton about Thunderbolt 3, but those are the ports, so USB Type-C slash Thunderbolt 3 ports. It's fast. Uh, effectively, yes, although they don't really give the actual speeds here.
0: And I think it supports the, it's an out for a display, right? So you can have another external display if you want. Like. Yeah,
1: and they and as part of that, they really beefed up the, the graphic units on these, the GPUs. Um, I believe, I'm not sure this was the case before, but they have discrete uh, GPUs now. Yes. So they're talking 3x faster graphics and uh, depending on the variant that you buy uh, you either get radeon pro 555 and 560s it looks like or kind of moving up scaled to 27 inch it goes 570 575 and 580 so uh, you know i think this line was due for a refresh and i think they hit all the things that you would want um, it starts at uh, 1299 for a 4k model and one thousand ninety nine for the updated twenty one point five inch model. So, not right, shit. I was going to say it's in line. The pricing before I think for not what you're getting, expensive. I think for what you're getting, it's right where it should be. So, and these um, are
0: the all in one IMAX, where it's basically just like a giant display sitting on a peg leg, mo- uh, peg leg stand, right?
1: Yeah, and the design still looks good. They didn't really do much in the way of changes to the actual design, but it still looks very contemporary and it looks great. Uh, you know, a lot of other kind of all-in-one PCs have copied that look. Um, so, lots to like here. I think it was kind of due for a refresh, and everyone was expecting it, and, and they they did it.
0: Absolutely, absolutely. And since I am uh, a partner and owner of a website, and a producer and participant in a podcast. Clearly, I am a professional, so what do we know about the IMac
1: Pro? So the IMac Pro was just a teaser today. Uh, really, it sounds like this isn't coming out till the end of the year, and I read something online that said they have one display model in the very back corner on a table that you are not allowed to touch. Wait, what? Yes, yeah, so you have to take pictures like from a distance, you cannot touch the iPad, the iMac Pro that is on display. Do not
0: look directly at the iPri- iMac Pro, it may burn out your retinas.
1: But the iMac Pro, um, I think this addresses a lot of the complaints because the previous Pro machine hadn't been updated since 2013, I believe it was. They invented that cool kind of space-age, Tra- circular... trash can? Des- trash can design. Um, and then it turned out it was almost impossible to update, which is why it wasn't getting updates. So. Uh, This is in the design of a normal iMac, so it's much more, um, I would say, normal as far as design goes. But it's it's, a trash can. It is space gray, the color, and and that's the only one that's going to come in space gray, and even the accessories are space gray. Uh, As opposed to the two Thunderbolt 3 ports, this one comes with uh, four, um, so it can support up to two 5K displays. That sounds like a lot of displays. Yeah, it's really something. I do have to say Apple's displays are top-notch, so that's great. Uh, A 1080p FaceTime camera, um, real-time 3D rendering. Um, It can, I believe, go up to an 18-core CPU, Um, 32 gigabytes of RAM. Um, I'm trying to think what else it had on there. So, yeah, 18-core Xeon processor. It's Radeon Vega graphics, and it can go up to 22 teraflops. Uh, just for a point of comparison, I believe the normal iMac tops out at five point five. So you're talking about quite the magnitude of, of difference. The new one's faster, then. Yeah, this is like bit. this is overkill probably for most normal people, but for the pro people and you know, we're doing like graphics or rendering or or very intensive um, video stuff. This stuff's not out of you know out of line at all. Um, so. It doesn't come out till the end of the year. Uh, we know that it's going to start at 4999 so this is a much more expensive computer. Uh, yeah, it's twice. I can buy two iMacs for that. But... This is geared for professional people. It's very scalable, which I think is a major deal for, for people that are really doing these kinds of things for a living. And it addresses a real hole in their lineup. And there had been a lot of chatter that Apple had kind of abandoned the pros, the people that were originally buying you know, these products. They'd kind of abandoned them and moved towards these more consumer-friendly things. And I think this is Apple's way of trying to address that. And when you're looking at it, I don't really know what else you could really ask for as far as power is concerned. It, it has it. Pretty much. And
0: considering it costs uh, five grand to start, uh, I take back what I said before. I am definitely not a pro. I don't need that kind of computer. It does sound really awesome, and I'm sure that the people who are making uh, 4K movies and things like that and editing the video and also several YouTube stars apparently will be very excited about this. So uh, good for them.
1: Yeah, and then, you know, in that same line, moving along with computers, they did upgrade the MacBook Pros, which we've talked about this before. When the MacBook Pros came out with the refresh, Apple kind of got stuck in between an Intel you know, processor switch, yeah. and they couldn't get the newest ones in there, so they released with the old architecture, and a lot of people were at the pros, again, were saying, we've been abandoned a little bit. This is not something that Apple would normally do. So they addressed that today. They've moved to the KB Lake architecture, which is the newest Intel architecture. Um, faster specs, uh, nicer displays. Um, so we have a, the normal MacBook, a MacBook Pro 13, a MacBook Pro 13-inch with touch bar, and then a MacBook Pro 15-inch with touch bar. Uh, the prices range from 1299 all the way up to 2399 uh, When you get the touch bar, like on the 13-inch one, you're paying a premium of about $500, which you know, I think you're getting some other things with it, but we've kind of discussed the touch bar, and to me, it's something I would certainly forgo for $500.
0: For Um, me, it has no use case either. Although, again, I think that the pricing is right in line with Apple products of the past. And so I don't think that there's really... Uh, the so-called Apple tax anymore, at least with respect to they realize that, hey, seven months ago we screwed a bunch of people, so when we release these new things today, maybe we shouldn't have a giant price hike. So I think that in terms of where the where the product line is, it's kind of right in line with what you'd expect, which actually kind of excites me, although I wasn't really super happy to see that all of the new MacBooks were basically going straight up USB Type-C and removing all of the ports. Yeah, um, That was kind of a bummer and still is kind of a bummer, but you know, again, in the future, eventually, this will just be the way that we're going with this stuff. So I was actually really interested in the MacBook Pro stuff. It's kind of cool.
1: Yeah. And, you know, look, I know you don't love everything that Apple did and you just say, oh yeah, they screwed everyone seven months ago. I, I feel actually in this instance that they kind of got stuck in it. And I think that had more to do with Intel than Apple, quite frankly. Um, it was just one of those things where Intel's I believe the KV lakes got delayed, and so it's one of those things where you're either going to be at the tail end of an architecture or you're going to be at the bleeding edge and the bleeding. And you're going to have to wait months. And I think Apple made a decision that I understand, um, but certainly if I'm a consumer, I, I would have held out probably for the KV lake because it's I think it's a worthwhile upgrade. So.
0: I agree, and the only thing that the only thing that I find uh, a struggle to believe in is the MacBooks hadn't been updated in years. So why would you give one and then wait seven months and then release another one? Well, just wait. You're, they've already waited three and a half years for this update.
1: Because people were asking about it, it become an exceedingly long wait, and in that time, it had become so long that I think people would actually look at other options, and so. It, I don't know if there was a winning scenario here. These computers aren't on a yearly refresh like a phone is. It, true, they're just true. not. So it, it's difficult to say. This isn't something people buy that often. I, I can see pros and cons for both. I kind of understand where they're coming from. And again, like the problem is when when these things are getting delayed, like you know processors, you don't know how long that's going to be. Could be three months. Could be a year. You don't really know what that's going to look like. And, and probably even Apple, with the influence that they have and the amount of processors that they, they buy, they're still really kind of waiting on Intel at that point. So I don't blame them completely, but this is what it should have been, and, and now it is. Yeah, agreed. You know, same theme as the iMacs in a lot of ways. Um, next, uh, we moved on to augmented reality and and Metal 2, which is kind of their uh, tools for developers for doing graphics. And the augmented reality demos they showed were very interesting. Um, Google obviously showed product, Project Tango, uh, which is their version of, of augmented reality, and Apple's version is... Um, Similar in the way it works, it's things, you know, they showed like a, a demo where um, it was a, a cup of coffee or tea, I can't remember which, on a table. And, you know, as you moved around it, the steam and everything like moved in, you know, different areas. Um, here's the deal with this. I saw David Reddick, who's becoming one of my favorite tweeters in the tech space because he, he kind of calls it like it is, and I, I like that. Uh, He's from he has, Android
0: Police. He has a strict no bullshit. Um,
1: and, and, I, and I love reading his tweets because oftentimes he says just very bluntly exactly what I'm thinking. And His thing was, um, show me one useful thing for augmented reality in my phone and I'll become excited, but until then it's just kind of fluff, more or less. I, I can't remember exactly what he said. Um, he, I'm right there with him this applies to Project Tango and what Apple did today. I kind of look at it and go, uh, I'm never going to use my phone to do that. Um, to me, the, the thing, and I was kind of expecting this out of Apple a little bit, for augmented reality, it seems like it the use case for me that seems more... Useful, if you will, would be like things for like the medical field or something. It seems like the professional fields are places where augmented reality could really be a thing, and maybe that's where it's going to go. It's going to start with consumers and then move towards the the professionals. But for games and just the kind of stuff that they're showing, I kind of look at it and go. Yeah, it's impressive. I I'm never going to use that.
0: Uh, you're co- clearly very wrong with this because it's all about the Snapchat filters, bra,
1: and Instagram filters, bra. I got to have a crown or glasses on my face. And maybe I'm not the target audience then, but probably not. I don't think I just don't to me I've not seen a compelling th- use case for AR or VR really for that matter. And I think consumers as far as smartphones are concerned, it's a big shrug for me. The computers, I can see it maybe,
0: but for what, for games? Yeah, I'm, I'm outro on this too. And I, I agree. I think that we're at the tip of the iceberg with what AR can do. And I think that like a lot of technologies, it, people are just going to kind of play around with it until they actually find something that works and is good. And then it'll probably take off like a rocket ship. But until then, it's basically useful for uh, tweens and uh, other people that I can't think of right now.
1: Yeah, I, it's just not a thing for me. So um, moving along, uh, iOS eleven was the next big announcement. This is, is coming this fall to the surprise of no one. That's always the way their their schedule is. Um, first thing they have is a uh, is messages are now synced so mm. across different devices, uh, which kind of already extends Apple's lead in the messaging um, department that they have over Android. This is yet another. Uh,
0: can you really call it a lead if Android hasn't even, like, left the starting line and yeah, Apple's, yeah. like, basically two cities ahead of them? It's
1: basically like me trying to win a 100-meter dash against Usain Bolt at this point, so <laughs> probably, probably bad times for
0: Google. Yeah, if if you actually were racing Usain both Bolt with both of your legs hog-died together, that would basically be where we're at.
1: Yeah, freaking Google. Um, Siri, they made some improvements to Siri. Uh, they've got a kind of machine learning and deep learning. Um Siri, though, I have to be honest, I was a little bit disappointed by the progress today. I mean, they added a male voice, too, which is, like, fine. But it really seems to not be making progress nearly as fast as Google Assistant or Alexa from Amazon, for that matter. Which I'm always kind of surprised about because, I mean, Siri was the first one out. And uh, I guess Google, maybe Google Now was out first. Mm, I, well, I think
0: the company that... Apple bought Siri from had their product available in the App Store before Google Now was available, and then when Apple bought it, it became its it bundled in its own packaged item and stuff. But I mean, it, you know, again, this doesn't it doesn't it surprises me, and it doesn't surprise me. Uh, Apple has a ton of resources to put in a Siri, but the real key with any AI is data, and Apple has said we're going to protect your privacy. Siri resides on the device and doesn't spend a lot of time in the cloud. Google says they are going to take your data and they take your data and we gladly give it to them and that's what actually makes the ai and Alexa's assistant to a lesser extent uh, more useful you gladly give it your data in exchange for giving up a little bit of your privacy and so uh, the google assistant now has the ability to learn about you pretty much anything and that's I think, where Siri is going to fail and is going to continue to fail until Apple decides to change their strategy a little bit, which if I remember right, they did start to change a little bit during the keynote.
1: They did a little bit, but I mean, they're they're kind of... Apple, Tim Cook has always made it kind of the case that Google's business is knowing your information, and there's pluses and minuses to that, In Apple's mind... There's a lot of minuses from a privacy standpoint and everything else, but... The problem with that is, obviously, if Google's business is information, their assistant's always going to be superior to Siri because they're mining all of that. They just know it. So Apple's kind of, they're straddling the fence a little bit between security and, and kind of making this an all-inclusive. And I think from a consumer standpoint, that's maybe a good choice to have, I suppose. But by virtue of that, it, it probably is going to have a tough time being as flushed out as Google system because they're, just, they're not in the business of mining your data the way Google is. Good news is, Siri's still better than Bixby on the Samsung phone. Everything's better than Bixby on the Samsung phone. Um, and that's coming from someone with Bixby on his Samsung phone. But um, don't. <laughs> hashtag bitter. Um, Moving right along. They made some camera tweaks. Um, you know, just changes in the way that compression and whatnot's done to uh, kind of, I think, shrink size and uh, have better sharing uh, compatibility. Um, they redesigned the control center, so uh, you swipe up on an Apple device from the bottom in order to get things like you know, Wi-Fi and those basic settings. Um, I actually installed the iOS 11 beta on my uh, iPhone today, thanks to a friend. Big shout out, Nick. And um, it's I, I don't actually love the design. Uh, we both kind of looked at it, Sean and I, before we started the podcast, and boy, there's a lot going on there. Um, I, I don't like it at all. I think it's actually a regression from
0: where we were. I find it hard to believe it was actually designed by somebody from Apple because it's hideous. It's hideous.
1: I said this today when I installed the beta, the two areas in Android that I really think are ahead of Apple always, and for whatever reason, are notifications and the kind of you know toggle for things like Wi-Fi and whatnot, the implementation on Android is just better. And I think that this is not a huge step forward. It, Functionally, it does more in one place, so that is a plus, but it's just its kind of ugly. And it, it, I don't know really what to say about it. You'll have to see it for yourself, listeners, but it's, it's not my thing.
0: I don't like it at all. It's very kind of modular looking, and, you know, again, I, I'm a huge Android enthusiast as well, and I love the implementation that uh, Google has done with the Android platform in terms of the two things you mentioned, notifications and uh, control toggles. Uh, I think this is an area where Apple probably should have just straight up ripped Steel. off. Yeah, just rip them off. It's it's the best. There's no shame in saying it's the best. Borrow slash steal their ideas and call it
1: a day. Yeah, Android has stolen plenty of stuff from iOS. Borrowed if you want to be nice, but stolen if you don't. And this is one of the – I totally agree. Steal it from – notifications, settings, Android's better, period, for me.
0: Yep, full stop.
1: Um, next on the agenda list. Um, so this is kind of big news. Uh, files. Files. Um, iOS has not had a file manager ever. And this was one of those things that I always hated about it. Android has had a myriad of options over the years. I'm using Solid Explorer right now, but before I was using ES Explorer, before they unceremoniously got bought out by Cheetah and started spamming everyone with um, lock screen notifications. And bloating themselves uh, out of existence. I'm still pouring one out for ES File Explorer. But um, we've had a, a bunch of great options in Android land, and now there's going to be an option for for iOS. And um, I have it, again, in the beta Um, It doesn't do as much as the – it's not nearly as fleshed out as the Android ones yet. Mm. It basically just is a way to view files kind of like I was kind of messing with it, and I'm I'm still trying to figure out exactly what it can do. It definitely seems to be less in-depth, but still nice. That was one of the things I never understood why iOS didn't have, so um, – It's a nice addition.
0: It's funny because to me, I thought it was, I mean, it's well past due, obviously, but I'm surprised they didn't call it Finder, which is what the File Explorer systems called on macOS. So I'm surprised they didn't unify it in that way. But other than that, again, an item that's kind of long overdue and probably uh, will get more fleshed out as, as further developments in iOS because it still is in beta. Uh, a developer preview, I guess, kind of, if you will, as they come along, then maybe the feature set will be enhanced as well, so hopefully.
1: Yeah, yeah hopefully we'll see what they do with it, but it's it's nice to have because it is long overdue. A um, couple other things, then we'll move along. Um, as far as the iPad is concerned, it's it's funny, the iOS 11 updates really, I think, were more, I was more impressed with the stuff for the iPad than I was for the iPhone, and I think it's just, the iPhone, they, they didn't do as much, but the iPad, one of the things they added is, just like kind of Mac OS now, it has a you know ribbon, I guess they call it on the bottom with all the apps that you've used recently. And you know, you can just click right into one and it launches right away. So, to me, this is a better version of the multitasking that we kind of already had. And it, it's one of those things where it's kind of you can see the merging of Mac OS and, and iOS, um, but. As we've discussed, like the iPads are kind of the only game in town as far as tablets, really, for productivity right now. You have the Surface, which I view kind of as a separate pro- product, and then you have the Android tablets, which are just awful. And, and today, I think Apple really kind of extended that lead. I still don't know if tablets are one of those things that you know a lot of people view as a necessity. But if you did, and if you're in the market for one, the stuff that they did in iOS today only furthers how much better the iPad is over the Android competitors, and what you can do with it. iPad Pro, baby. Slimmer bezels and a new size
0: 10.5, right?
1: Yeah, um, and this is a nice segue to that. They actually uh, updated their um, uh, iPad lineup today. So basically we have an iPad Pro 10.5 and then we have an iPad Pro uh, 12.9. And uh, along with that, you get all of the typical updates as far as... um, you know better processor uh the processor is kind of interesting it's an a10x um and what it is is it has three high performance cores and then three high efficiency cores hmm. so much like we saw with the iphone 7 where it was two and two this is three and three um and it only uses one set at a time so it doesn't use them heterogeneously like the android phones do where it can like you know dial up all eight but the performance increases are substantial Um, I think they said it was a 40% increase in both CPU and GPU performance, and considering they already had a substantial lead again over any of the Android uh, tablets, you're talking about a major performance delta now. It just Um, widens
0: the gap between them and anything else that Android can produce, although uh,
1: a pile of dog poop is probably better than pretty much any Android tablet at this point. So disappointing. Um, They have a new uh, Pencil, what do we call it? Is it iPencil? Yeah, Apple Pencil. Apple Pencil. Um, That has a latency of uh, 20 milliseconds. Um, They also increased the uh, refresh rate of the screen. The screen was a a big part of this. They've increased the color gambit, and they increased the refresh rate to 120 hertz. Uh, So this will mean when you're using it, smoother operation. iOS is already pretty damn smooth, but this is going to make it even more so.
0: That's like a boss. Um,
1: And as far as the actual form factor itself, the 10.5-inch iPad is only slightly larger than the 9.7 that it's replacing. Has smaller side bezels. Uh, you know, same typical design otherwise. Um, they now start at 64GB of memory. Um, starting price is six hundred and forty-nine dollars. So Bleh. here's here's where I'm at with this. The hardware is top-notch. Best CPU and GPU you can get in a tablet, again, full stop, unless you move up to the um, surface, which is kind of a different class. Um the screens will be the best of any tablet. You can just see it now. I don't even need to wait for the testing. Just They were already. They probably already were, and now they're even better. Um, and you have, as I said, the, the iOS things that we discussed that make these more useful and are kind of starting to move these more towards macOS in some ways as far as the operation and what they can do. Now, having said all of that, $649 as a starting point is damn pricey. Um, they get up over a thousand dollars. Both models get up over a thousand dollars. And if you get the cellular models, I think it's a hundred and thirty dollar premium over the Wi-Fi one, so you're talking even more expensive yet. So here's my here's my issue. They are the best for what they are. But do people care about tablets anymore? Uh no. I I think there are people that do it, and I think people upgrade every maybe three or four years, but I don't think that a tablet is a must-have thing, and that's kind of where I'm at too.
0: Let me let me go back to my first answer, which was uh, no. Now, uh, I agree. I'm going to back off that a little bit and say that, yes, absolutely, there are some people who care about tablets. Absolutely, the refresh cycle on those is much, much longer than the refresh cycle on things like phones and smartwatches and other gadgetry. Um, and, And agreed, the Apple tablet space is its own space. There's nothing really that competes with it. But I think the argument has long been, and this is coming from Apple, that what they're trying to do is is push uh, professional people into uh, an iPad Pro as a, as a laptop or desktop replacement. And I think if you're going to talk about $1,000, like I'd really rather have a regular keyboard, like even the chiclet-style keyboard or the regular MacBook, which is... 12 inches is super light and thin. Uh, it's a little underpowered. But for what it is, if I'm going to do that kind of work, you're probably typing or or some other kind of text input that you can't do with the Apple Pencil. So if I'm going to spend $1,000, why not I just spend 200 bucks more and get an actual damn laptop?
1: Well, and that's the problem for me, too. I think this one actually is bigger. I, I believe I read something in part and I, d- I didn't see the full information on this, but I think it does dis- uh, actually support a full-size Uh uh, keyboard now. Attachment, yeah. So that, that's that's a plus. <laughs> but yeah, at the end of the day, I was running the same thing. By the time you buy an iPad that's 64 gig for 649 and let's assume the keyboard sets you back another 100 which is a reasonable, probably, assessment. At that point, you know, it's just not enough of a price delta where I wouldn't be looking up at the MacBook Pros at that point. And you're still talking like four or $500 difference, but, you know, with these, when you really start optioning them up with memory, you're up in that $1,000 range anyway, and at that point, it's like the MacBook is the way that I personally would go. Um, Yeah, the base
0: price, or the base storage on a MacBook Pro is 128 gigs. And the 128 gig iPad Pro, I think there's probably not that significant enough of a price difference. I
1: think it's $200. Yeah. Somewhere in that range. I'd absolutely get the MacBook Pro, no question. So, again, what they showed is great. These are the best tablets on the market. I don't want anyone to think otherwise. They, frankly, shit all over anything in Android land. But then, like, the the other thing I was thinking today as I saw it, though, was... If you have a kid or if you're not a professional and you need a tablet, this shit's all over everything as I just said. But you can buy your kid some dumb Android tablet for 100-150 bucks and if they're just going to watch YouTube videos, it's a complete waste on this. Is it worth it? And I, you know, to me the answer would be no. No. Um, in fact, the $329 iPad that came out, the 9.7 one, I'd just buy that. Just um, fine.
0: Works just fine, especially for less intensive applications that you wouldn't necessarily need a pro-designated machine for. But
1: if you do need a pro one or you're looking for the best tablet on the market, this is it, bar none, full stop, that's it. So, um, Other things, uh, just iOS, we'll wrap up real quick. AirPlay 2, um, they have some tweaks where you can, I think, push it to more than one device at once You can put if you have multiple um, Apple, Apple TVs, you push the, you know, the files to that. And there was volume controls and some other things that they built in. Um, and then they redesigned the app store, uh, which is not trivial. Um, I actually really like the new design. This is another area I think where Apple's behind Android. I think that the Android app store is better, uh, laid out easier to use than the Apple version of the app store. But the new one is, uh, as you would expect from Apple, very neat looking. Um, it's a white base, black text, but you have know, colors. It, it looks great and seems to be easier to navigate and more useful. Uh, I only got to play with it for maybe 20 minutes, so I don't. I didn't get a f- chance to really dig in, but a definite improvement from what I saw, especially aesthetically speaking. So um, that was nice. Um, Apple Pay, peer-to-peer transactions, uh, was another thing they kind of dropped in. And this is pretty neat. Um, it is built into iMessage. That so is
0: you, very cool, actually.
1: So you can now do peer-to-peer payments in iMessage to people. Um, a lot of people are using services like Venmo, if you're familiar, to transfer money. And now you can do it natively in their operating system. So this is yet another area where, as we just said a few minutes ago, Android is so far behind in the messaging. And something like this, I actually look at and go, damn, that is useful and cool. Um I would imagine people will copy it probably in in Android eventually, I hope, but Apple's doing it now, and it's cool, and it uses Touch ID authentication, and it transfers it right into your your wallet, and uh, pretty neat stuff.
0: I think it's very cool, especially with respect to the fact that Apple Pay adoption hasn't been kind of as widespread as people had hoped for. And I think that peer-to-peer payments are kind of the next level of that. Like, it's great that you can go and pay at the store with your phone, but realistically, there's a lot of transactions that have to take place between two individuals, and I think that's why things like Venmo exist Uh, and so Apple is giving you another method to just basically stop using everybody else and start using their service, smart business move on their part.
1: It's, it's brilliant. And the way that they did it, it's typical Apple. Like when I'm looking at the user interface of how you do it, it couldn't be simpler. And what it does, what it transfers money is it basically now in your wallet will be an Apple pay cash card. So it transfers the money to that, which you can use to purchase apps. You can use it for future purpose purchases when you use Apple pay at a, at a vendor. um, I was unclear if you could transfer it also out to like your bank account that I don't know. I would hope so. Cause that would be handy too, but you know, hell for just little things. Hey, you go out to lunch with people and then you, they transfer it in and, and I can use that then at, you know, the grocery store or whatever. This is, freaking fantastic so this was actually in my opinion it's it's kind of like a littler thing but one of the coolest things i saw today for me
0: i was really excited to see this too and i'm not even an apple user um i I think that the integration into iMessage is like you say it's just it's just a brilliant move and it's one more reason one more apple ecosystem lock-in for people to to deal with with if they were ever trying to change that they wouldn't really have a, a desire or need to leave from so uh, yeah, it's it's killer. It's a killer feature. There's no doubt about that.
1: Yeah, and the way they did it was great. So freaking Google. Jesus Christ, steal it. Steal these things. Steal the message and steal that. It's it's great. Every, the way they did it, the implementation, everything, Apple gets super high marks for that from me. So
0: Sundar, I know you're listening. Take heed. Get after it.
1: Thanks. And I know we're moving at a breakneck pace. There was just a lot of things going on, but the and one more thing for today was drum roll, please. The HomePod. Wait, what? This is kind of the rumored Siri speaker that we had heard a lot about. I'm sorry, I thought you said it was called the HomePod. It is called the
0: HomePod. So now, so we have AirPods, we have EarPods, we had iPods, and now we have a HomePod.
1: We do. What uh, was the HomePod got going on? The HomePod is essentially, if you want to really boil this down, uh, Apple's version of the Amazon Echo and of the Google Home. So what this is, is a, um, it's kind of cylindrical in shape. It it looks a little bit like the old MacBook Pro, and it's mesh, but it looks, um, I I don't know exactly how I would describe this. Uh, It looks like
0: a a big earplug.
1: Yeah, that that might be fair. Um, It comes in white and black. Um, it's got a mesh design it has a little screen on the top um, a, from what I saw like the verge of some of the other people that got hands on actually said it's, it looks really nice in person uh, I think this is one of those things too with like you know I have a Google Home now when I first saw pictures I was like wow that looks like an air freshener and it's funky looking but once you get it it's kind of okay um, I think this actually looks pretty good um, this is running on an Apple designed A8 chip which was the chip that powered the iPhone 6 I believe You got me there. Yeah, I I believe. Um, So, as far as the chips in like, you know, these uh, home systems, uh, this is the most powerful, uh, definitely over what Google and uh, Amazon's running.
0: Yeah, it's not close.
1: Um, It has a a high, they're calling it a high excursion woofer, which is four inches. Um, It has a six microphone array that's directional so it can sense where you're talking to it from and then it has a seven-tweeter array of speakers. Um, Okay, here's the deal on this. It costs... Well, let me ask you, did you see how much it costs? I believe that I did, yes. So, just as a frame of reference, Google Home costs $129. And you can actually
0: get it for $109 right now. Right now. Right. And I
1: believe Alexa costs, and Amazon Echo, the full size costs
0: $149. Yes, and you can get their peripheral dots for about 45 bucks right now.
1: Right. So, this one clearly couldn't cost more
0: than $199. Or, wait, $299? <laughs> so wait, it's more expensive than that?
1: It costs $349. So. does there is there a cappuccino maker in there too or what? Here's what Apple's saying. This is more than just a speaker like the others are. Like the others have speakers in them, but they're pretty low quality. They kind of presented this more as like a Sonos, like a real Bluetooth speaker replacement. And a lot of those cost like $400. So. We'll have to wait for the test, if it actually can deliver on that and you were in the market for a wireless Bluetooth speaker anyway, that was high quality, this may not be such a bad buy. But if you're more like someone who's just looking for kind of this home style thing, I personally think it's way too rich for my blood. I mean, as a point of reference, I got my Google home uh, on a deal for eighty dollars. And at $80, it's like, is the speaker great? The answer is no, it's okay. <laughs> um, but when my son's listening to Justin Bieber in his room, does it matter that it has, you know, a speaker array and a, and a four-inch subwoofer? The answer is no, no not, one cares. So, not when it only
0: costs 80 bucks. You
1: know, in the context of it's, you know, a high-quality Bluetooth speaker, it's probably not overpriced. But... In the context of compared to other assistants and getting them in the home, I think it's a pretty tough sell, three hundred and forty nine dollars. I absolutely agree. And I think that there's a lot there was a lot of opportunity for
0: Apple to kind of hit one out of the park with their one more thing. And the the rumors of the Siri connected speaker were coming and I was really – I was honestly thinking somewhere in the 250 ish range would have been kind of the sweet spot for them. Clearly more expensive than the other assistants. But again, the Apple tax comes into play and you have to factor that in a decision with a new product line. Okay, we get that. You're going to pay more for Apple. No no, no ifs, ands, or buts about it. Uh, but to look at this thing and say for $350 bucks. The, the vast majority of the people I think that are going to use it for a, a Siri AI assistant type product like the Google Home and the Amazon Alexa uh, are not going to buy it because it's too damn expensive. And then the people who are really interested in a, a high fidelity Bluetooth speaker I think are probably going to buy a high fidelity Bluetooth speaker. I mean, that's just my take on it. I don't know enough about it really to be able to say whether it's a a, a, a good buy or not a good buy. But just at first blush, I'm getting a meh.
1: So again, I haven't seen testing, so I don't want to say this. But I would say based off of the components and what they're showing inside of it, this is unequivocally ahead of the Amazon Echo and Google Home by like a substantial margin as far as sound quality and whatnot is concerned. And again, that remains to be seen. We haven't seen it tested, but the hardware at least is a substantial step forward than the other two. The problem for me is this. Uh, who cares? And,
0: and, and I think... <laughs> it could be a problem and, after and all.
1: That's, and that's kind of my issue. Um, I'm not in the market for that. Um, I think most people that are into this probably aren't. They may use it and they will, but... For $249, like you said, if it was $100 less than where it is now for the hardware that it's packing, again, I, I think if you're looking for a Bluetooth speaker and it has all the you know Siri integration, everything else, HomeKit, whatever else it, it does, it, it, it's worth it. At $349, it's like, I just don't know how much people really care about the audio quality. And you also have to take into account a lot of people now are already in kind of the Amazon ecosystem. Uh, and the, and Google Home, although I think I saw the stats and it's like 70-30 right now or something as far as percentages of what people have.
0: And Amazon, the Echo product's been out for quite a bit longer than the Home, so that makes sense.
1: But I, I think that as far as getting into the house is concerned, Amazon's strategy is a lot better. I think the combination of the Echo and then the dots at an even lower price point is the way you would want to go. And then Amazon or And then Google, excuse me, with the Home, the price is fine. I think it falls into, hey... I'll use that enough to warrant 100, especially like 109 bucks like it is right now. It's like you could justify that. That's almost an impulse Easy purchase. Easy absolutely. But 349 is not an impulse purchase. So people will pay it. People will buy it. It's not for me. It's too expensive.
0: And I think for me, you've hit the nail right on the head is I think what Apple wants to do is try and get in your home, especially if they're integrating HomeKit. They want this to be maybe a little bit more closer to your Internet of Things hub And at $349, they're not going to do that. They needed to price it in such a way that they could get it into a lot of people's hands because they're going to get further and further behind with the Amazon and Google competitor products, especially when you look at it and go, hmm, I can get... Eh, okay, sound quality for $100, or I can get amazing sound quality and spend $250 more. Eh, I'm probably gonna spend $100.
1: Well, and like, you know, if I'm just trying to connect my house, I can get an echo and I can get one, two, three, four dots with it. So I can literally get an echo and one basically every room of my house.
0: Which improves the functionality significantly over just having a single device.
1: For the same price as this. And, and uh, you know another missing thing right now, I didn't see any mention of this, I couldn't find it. It doesn't do phone calls, whereas now the Alexa and Google Home both do. And I think that's a useful thing.
0: Absolutely, it um, might even be one of the most useful things for it.
1: I think long term it probably will be for me in the Google Home, quite frankly. So not having that, and I'm sure it will. I'm sure Apple will do, will have these things, but they're coming in behind the others as far as time's concerned. It's way more expensive. And if I was looking to go down one of the platform routes for this for a home system, they said you can get an Echo and four dots for the same price. That's that's tough.
0: Yeah, I think when you look at the functionality of what it can do, again, if you're really just using it as a Bluetooth audio speaker and just streaming a service to it, you're really underutilizing it and it's expensive at that price point for that. Maybe in line comparable with the other types of products of its ilk, but I think it's too expensive for you to be able to just justify it as a purchase, even if it's got the shiny Apple logo on it. And I think that the use case for it right now is simply just not there. We don't know anything about it. We really don't know what it's gonna to do. Apple's had some slides at WWDC that says what it's going to do. But I know what the Google Home can do. I know what the Amazon Echo can do. And they're adding new stuff to both of those products all the time. Right now, Apple is far behind and they're in danger of falling either further behind. And I think that spending $350 to try and get somebody to take this product home with them was maybe not the right strategy.
1: Yeah. It, to me, it just kind of fell flat a little bit. So at the end of all of it, that's, that's a pretty good overview of what we saw today. Um, you know, if I were kind of grading these, I think I would give Google I.O. like a D plus, C minus, and I would give Apple like a B, um, B minus. I would say the things that I like most would be the uh, – I think the iMac I Pro is pretty – Freaking neat device!
0: It's bitching. I'll be honest with you. There's no way in hell I'm going to spend five grand. By the way, on the base model of that thing. So if you really want to spec it out, if you want to future-proof that thing, or if I suddenly decided to get a job at you know Pixar or something and start making movies, uh, ten grand on a home computer is just insanity. But I will say, it's freaking cool. It's cool.
1: (laughs) I think the iMac refreshes and the MacBook refreshes hit the right notes. Um, I think the iPads are the pro refresh is everything you would want it to be um, You know tablets aside. They're the best um, I think that the uh, iOS 11 for the phone was kind of a and eh, not a ton going on but for the iPad There's a lot going on and then are and they're doing some really cool stuff um, The app store refresh looks good to me. That's nice uh, As we kind of were talking about I think the peer-to-peer payments through iMessage is one of the highlights for me um, and then um, you know, as far as the HomePod goes, I, I want to see one in person, but it was kind of weird that they, I mean, I know why they ended with that It's their new hardware, but it's funny, like, out of the hardware they showed, it was the least interesting and exciting to me in a lot of ways, and, um, overall, though, like, Apple did a good job. The, having hardware there as opposed to Google where we got no hardware was, was cool. I, I like seeing that stuff, and the hardware that they showed was great for the most part. Um... Apple still knows how to shit. you know, they know how to put together a presentation. Um, it was very interesting, albeit a little long. Um, but yeah, overall, you know, not being an Apple guy, I still, I found more to be excited about today than I did at Google I.O.
0: Yeah, I tend to agree. Uh, and the top things for me probably would be the iMac Pro, which we've talked about the peer-to-peer payments through iMessage, which I think is an amazing piece of functionality. And I really hope and wish and pray that Google rips it off. Uh, And then the MacBook Pro refreshes. Uh, I mean, I use a MacBook Pro uh, daily for a lot of the work that I do, including the work on the website and the show. And I think that a refresh to bring it in line with what PC makers have had since the beginning of this year, really does give kind of a tip of the cap to the pro community and say, hey, we listened, we understand that you wanted the latest chip architecture you wanted faster better uh better everything and they went out and did it and again they could have taken the easy route and just said hey we gave you new macbooks last year so uh you know suck it until the new ones come out um and in terms of and i read this online i think at the verge if their two choices were to basically not do anything and then release a better product at a at a much more competitive price point for what you're actually getting, and then maybe pissing off a little bit of their user base, eh, I think the the latter choice is probably the right one. And I'm really interested in those products, particularly not only because I use them on a daily basis, but because I think they are now worth maybe the premium that's being charged for them. So um, for me, the the rest of the stuff, um, other than the uh, app store redesign, which again is another long overdue kind of thing, um, I just really had a super hard time caring about iOS 11 and some of these other features. Um, I just, I again, I'm not a, a daily Apple user, other than my work device, which I could really care less about. But I do think that I agree with you that this event was much better produced had a much better production value and introduced a lot more of what would be interesting to consumers than did google io uh, much as though it might pain me to say that but the hardware alone makes it worth the price of admission and uh, i saw a lot of folks on twitter a lot of folks on instagram with their media passes so i'm looking for a lot of interesting coverage on more of the stuff that's coming out and then we still have a couple more days of wwdc to go to
1: yeah you know I'm not sure where to see a lot of the other exciting stuff out of this, but I will say I'm, I'm now looking forward to the uh, iPhone announcements later in the year. Um, Apple's doing a lot of cool stuff. Uh, it's interesting, though, that the phone... It is a little strange that the phone iOS was kind of... It seemed almost like an afterthought. Um and maybe we just hit that point again where there's just not that much to add and not that much to do. But considering, I mean, what percentage of Apple's profits comes from iPhone? It's like, what, 70? 70,
0: yeah, like 74%, I think. Yeah, it's a
1: huge thing. You know, you would think there would be a lot of emphasis on that, and it didn't appear to be the case here. Um, But, you know, I'm wondering if a lot of the iPhone stuff, they're waiting until they announce this OLED iPhone in in September, October, and they may have like a dark mode and some other things that take advantage of the unique hardware. So maybe we'll see. But that was one uh, point of interest today, I would say.
0: Yeah, and as far as the iPad Pro and the other stuff, like I really couldn't care less. Uh, my kids have tablets, and that's basically all that they get used for. So, and again, I, th- I think we've already kind of made the point that I think that most people probably are better off uh, at the price point that the iPad Pro with all of its accessories comes with. You're probably better off with an actual MacBook of some kind. But, you know, again, if Apple thinks they can find a market and they can sell it to people, then more power to them. And uh, God help the people that buy them.
1: Yeah, but all objectively, they do make, as I said, the best tablets on for the market. Sure. Unquestioned. For sure. On question. Period. On question. So if you have the scratch, they're the best. I just don't have the scratch. Uh, yeah,
0: <laughs> I've got a lot of itches and no scratch, that's for sure, so... What uh don't look at me
1: like that. It was a funny joke. Come on, man. Oh no, it's good. I can't wait till you add sound effects this.
0: <laughs> can't even Don't worry, we'll edit that out. It'll sound great in post. Can't
1: even I can't even wait. Uh what else we got on
0: uh, WWDC WWDC twenty seventeen? That's it for me. That's it. I think we covered it. Sounds good. So again, if uh you guys have any additional questions, anything that comes up in the next couple of days that you'd like more information about, hit our inbox at silicontheory at gmail.com. Find all of our musings at SiliconTheory.com and follow us on Instagram and Twitter. We are at Silicon Theory. Thanks, guys. We'll talk tech soon. Shout out to Jackson. Jackson,
1: we miss you, buddy. Good night, everybody.